This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical situations. That means that unless you're using your now-patented triple-action moan and groan, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as the Chris Elliott Experience. <laughs> no. I told you I didn't no. have a good one this week. That's not a good one. Uh, this is Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine Podcast where we talk about what Hollywood gets I right I think it in. should have been These Pipes Are Clean, a Chris Elliott Experience. Hey, that's, sorry. There we go. There's something about Woogie. That's also good. Ah, uh, yeah. Eagle Heart. Yep. Yeah. You might remember Cabin some short podcast as there's something about Woogie. <laughs> uh, this is Hi Everybody, Bad Medicine podcast where we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. With us is Dr. Greg Winter once again. Hi. Hey. Hey, everyone. Uh, and you can find this podcast online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hi Everybody MD or by visiting www.hieverybodymd.com. Or you can call us, leave us a message at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B stands for booger. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Booger, I think, works well for this one. Yeah. Uh, we are discussing uh, the episode of Pete and Pete, season two, episode nine, Sick Day. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time to do it. Uh, kids are back in school. Back to school. And they're already sick of yeah. being in school. <laughs> Uh, I've seen way too many kids with um, not real illnesses show up to work recently. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean, like, I've been coughing for two days, and it's really bad. They're not coughing. But you got to get out of school. And unfortunately, parents call your bluff now. Which, oh, they're, they're like, all right, then we're going to yeah, the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's the problem. None of these kids have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And it's like, you gotta if, learn- you don't, if you don't know that the hospital is worse than school, you got to really play your symptoms right. Now. Yeah. And I think this is very. This is a good way to play your symptoms. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to set up the premise? Yeah, the premise of the episode is that the younger Pete fakes being sick to get out of school, and yeah. so he fakes food poisoning. Yeah, there was a whole stretch. I think where it was between President's Day and Easter, and Easter, and that is a very long stretch of mm-hmm. not having any kind of substantial day off, and that would drive a person crazy. Like I think a kid grew a beard. Mm-hmm. In the background, mm-hmm. and then the scout girl was yeah. Eating. Michelle Trachtenberg was uh, that was not Michelle Trachtenberg. Okay, another character who was not Michelle Trachtenberg was licking her desk. Yes, and then eating pencil shavings to, for sustenance because they don't feed them enough at the school. And LL Cool J looked very comfortable at the head of the class. Yes, he did. That was probably one of the bigger <laughs> shocking cameos. I just remembered watching like, holy crap, that's LL Cool J. Uh huh. Uh huh. Plays a good teacher mm-hmm. and uh, Hawaiian. Yeah. He's very good Hawaiian. He speaks Hawaiian. Um, he also, <laughs> you know, there's a crossover between Pete and Pete and Deep Blue Sea because he mentions the valley, valley of darkness in Deep Blue Sea as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that. <laughs> so Deep Blue Sea is part the of same the same universe. <laughs> the part Pete, of the Pete, Pete cinematic universe. universe. Did we do Deep Blue Sea? We have. We did not. We, we need not. to do. Deep yes. No. Yes. Because I just want to watch it. There was like because I, I love that. I movie. think one of the first times we watched a movie at my house was in the backyard watching Deep Blue Sea late at night. Oh yeah. In the backyard. Yeah. yeah. It's a good movie. We should watch it. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh we should also watch Moon Summer. <laughs> I mean, always. I I mean good good setup there because Hortober's coming. Yeah, Scary Tober is coming very soon. <laughs> <good. laughs> uh, for the new people, Hortober is when we watch horror movies all October. 
And Johnny refuses to say it. <laughs> I mean, it's Hortober. Yeah, it's Hortober. Why, why would you refuse why, to say it? Why would you think it's anything else other than horror movies? <laughs> <laughs> horror movies are horror movies, yeah. and it is Hortober. It is Hortober. That's it what we're going to watch. What is that called? A portmanteau when you Correct. combine mm-hmm. the two? When we're smashing two words together. Yeah, so yeah. this is fine. Going back to this episode, though... Um, Pete had to do some research on picking the correct disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was kind of funny listening to him go through the the prior heroes of sick day, including maintaining your temperature through mind control. Yep. Uh, Epoxying your teeth together. Yes. Oh, oh, man. I was going to. So um, my buddy that was my little flight partner, Eric, uh, he reminds me a lot of Pete. Like we have talked about him as though he ha- is little Pete, just because he's someone that was just constantly in adventures uh, he had to get his jaw wired shut. And the only thing he wanted <laughs> when he got home was a Whopper from Burger King. <laughs> and so he made his mom blend up a Whopper for him. And sort of the only thing I remember about the story, he's like, yeah, it kind of tasted like a Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do. I have not had that happen to me yet, though I have used super glue to try to mount someone's teeth back in. Really? Yeah. So I took um, the wire part of a mask and uh-huh. took that out. And then I glued her tooth to that wire part. And then I glued the wire part to the teeth next to it. So I made makeshift braces. Was it a chipped tooth or was it a it knocked was, out tooth? It was knocked out completely and I needed it to stay in until uh, she saw her dentist. Okay. So I implanted it, made a fake brace. And the key with that is you have to have the driest teeth possible so that the super glue sticks to it. And Dermabond is essentially an epoxy because it is a two-part thing that you break and then it mm-hmm. mixes and yep. then it glues in. The one thing I'll remember her I used complaint. to steal Dermabond from the ER all the time. I mean, I <laughs> do have a it's few. It's really, really helpful. I have a lot of that somewhere in my house. Right I have now. a lot of that in my face. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of Dermabond in my face. Why? To hold my... Oh. Because yeah. I've got uh, crowns. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's why it kind of brought me to the her epoxying her teeth together you have to have really dry teeth for it to epoxy together. So a toughie. You really have to be committed to it. And it's like when someone tells you you can't lick your <laughs> lick your teeth, then all of a sudden it's the only thing a kid yeah, can yeah. do. It's like when you get a cut inside your mouth. Uh-huh. Like that's all you want to do, but you know it's going to slow down the healing. You're mm-hmm. keep poking at it with your tongue. Otherwise, how are you going to know how big it is? Exactly. Families will come in with like kids with cuts in their mouth. And they're like, aren't you going to sew it? And I go, what's the first thing you're going to do to that cut? You're going to tongue it. And then... <laughs> it's true and then the stitches fall out so what's the point of putting in stitches if the healing time is going to be the same mm-hmm. at that point so we usually don't sew up cuts inside the mouth because of that yeah they have to be pretty bad yeah through and through it has to you have to actually come on through the other side to actually for me to actually want to sew it and then the uh the the third legend just faked his own death <laughs> and moved to arizona i mean this is not a legal podcast but i feel like that's hard to do it is i think people are finding that out more and more Got to get away from those student loan debts somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, he settles on a very good one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, um, I think the reason why food poisoning is a good choice is that it is, everyone knows what it is. Everyone knows that you feel crummy enough to definitely not want to go to, not want to do your responsibilities. And it's also nonspecific. Like you can be like, well, I don't have a fever. Or I don't have diarrhea because sometimes that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, usually food poisoning, you get nausea, vomiting, upset stomach, diarrhea, sweats, some fevers, the cramps, cramps, really bad gas. 
You want me to give him the cramps? <laughs> Yo, I want to give you the cramps. As I'm doing this clampy hands. Yeah. Visual. Visual cue. Um, it is a really hard thing to catch sometimes, though, too. But um, it, I, it, I mean, it's. I don't think it is hard to catch because it's basically... I mean, it's it's based on basic sanitization, right? We're you, you basically get food poisoning from not washing not your washing hands. your hands, like so fecal oral fecal oral route of someone's poop gets into your mouth, yeah, and um, that's why it's kind of gross when there are outbreaks of E. coli and Salmonella at places because those are those are things that should be preventable with the kind of basic. It's basic hygiene. It's funny mm-hmm. you mentioned that because I remember there was one week at work. It was like summertime and I got hit with all these tourists from one hotel oh, yeah. because I don't, if you go swimming at a hotel, you'll see a sign that says, yep. if you had diarrhea in the last 48 hours, do not swim. People are still going to swim yeah. because they're on vacation and man, do a lot of people come in. I'm like, yeah. Hey, where are you, where are you guys from? Like, oh, we're on vacation. I'm like, Oh, where are you guys staying? Insert name of hotel here. And I go, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, hey, another person with vomiting and diarrhea. Where are you guys from? Oh, we're from out of town. Oh, where are you guys staying? Insert name of same hotel there. And then you learn everyone drank and swam in that pool. Basically, everyone got pool water. And also, their pool was not properly chlorinated. There's probably a lot of things that happened. I try to make it a point now recently. If I saw kids or really pretty much mostly kids, if they're swimming in it, head does not go underwater. It stays above water the whole time. One of my other friends will. He's a um, he's a property manager, and he will not go in a hot tub that he himself did not clean. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> I I think one too many times, and fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> the fool, fool me, me twice, the shame. Well, the fool man can't again. get fooled again. That was twenty years ago, I think. Today, really, it was yeah. pretty close. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty close because it was nine eleven. Yes, you're right. That was a while. I just remembered seeing that on Fahrenheit 9-11 long, long ago. Um, what did you make of the triple action Monin groan? It's good. I mean, and uh, it, I mean, it, there, there are a couple of homages to Ferris Bueller's Day Off in here, and that's kind of what, another one of them. It's like you, it's a non-specific, non, uh, non-emergency symptom, right? And so, like, the goal of staying home is to not end up in a worse place. Whenever I tried to stay at home. My dad would take me to work and like that means I was actually going to be out of the house even longer than if I went to school. Yeah. <laughs> so and I was going to go to his clinic. So that meant I was around a bunch of sick people. Um, so, yeah, that was it was not fun for me to stay at home unless I just was straight up honest and told my dad, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> That's the only way I got to stay at home. I think Pete should have done the the old clammy hands. Yeah. The clammy hands really does work really well because when you have really bad belly cramps, you get really clammy. Well, that's, I mean, that's Ferris Bueller's as you yeah. moan over, you fake a stomach cramp, you bend over and lick your, your palms. palms. I know it sounds kind of childish, but then again, so, so is high, high school. school. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> there were a lot of homages to this yeah. too. Um, I appreciated that she tried to call the doctor to find out what to do. And unfortunately, I think in my work, it's been a lot of, hey, if you called a doctor and you told him you were vomiting, you end up in my emergency department. It's go see doctor. Yeah, there's not, there's not much phone triage anymore. I mean, it's like the, the phone triage of a clinic is mainly to be like, oh, you should go to the, to the ER. ER. They have a script. And mm. if you deviate anywhere on that script, the answer is immediately go to an emergency department. Which, So in hospice, we keep people out of the ER. And our job is to, you know, we actually 
we'll start treatment. We'll send people over to the house. Um, and it's just a very different type of care that is actually trying to, to instead of cover your butt, it's trying to say, oh, hey, we're going to take ownership of this and figure out what to do. We will do everything we can to keep you from going to the ER. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I tell families, too. It's like, hey, you hurt your arm. Did you give them medicine before you came here? And they're like, no. Like, like hey, take some medicine. It won't cover up anything dangerous. Maybe you won't have to wait eight hours in the emergency department. Because right. that's how long our waits have been. It's been crazy. And, and then people get mad. Yeah. And and you should get mad if you wait for eight hours and you don't have an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I don't know why you were here for eight hours. You should have left when you started feeling better. I had one dad come up to me and go, excuse me, why are we still waiting? And I go, we're short-staffed. It's really busy. He's like, well, have you thought about hiring more people? I'm like, oh, my God, what a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, hey, man, there are gunshot victims here. It's you right. have a cough. Yeah. So we, all, we always tell families we're here to see people at their sickest. Um, so, I mean, if you're vomiting a bunch, we usually just give you a nausea medicine and then wait to see how you feel. At least get that started. And by the time that Zofran, that Zofran is the good, good. Um, But once, if you're feeling better and we see you, that makes me more reassured that I'm not missing something dangerous. Whereas if you're still throwing up after receiving the Zofran, then I get a little more worried and I start working you up a little bit more. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch 22 because you go to the ER and they do something to make you feel better. And then it makes it basically, I mean, most of the time that means you don't need to be in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So then you're going to wait more in the emergency room. Yeah. So it's kind of like when you mentioned uh, when people do go into the ER and they feel better, they kind of go away. It's kind of like when we have mass casualty incidents where there's a lot of injured people. The first thing we do is we stand and we go, who needs help? <laughs> Everyone who comes towards us, yeah. we immediately yeah. ship them to the side. They don't need help. Yeah. <laughs> and then we walk around and then look for like start triaging really sick people and if we can't save them, you get like a black tag. And if you can kind of save them and you need them to go to the ER quickly, you put a red tag. I can't believe you brought, you, you took an episode of Pete and Pete. Yeah. Literally a show about the fantastic realism of growing up. Yeah. And are talking about a mass casualty event. Hey, you talked about triaging in the ER. It's true. The, the tangents yeah. never fail. I see you've taken my class on tangents. <laughs> I have. Uh, How about that class? It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, speaking of student loan crisis, uh, <laughs> so I am kind of interested though in in mass cas- mass casualty events. Uh-huh. Like, what would qualify for that sort of? So it could be anything like a car accident with like four multiple cars involved, or there's basically more than two or three victims, and you need to triage it. Uh, when I was in fellowship, we had a mass casualty drill where Albuquerque is known for their balloon fiesta, so mm-hmm. we had two balloons crash. Not in real life, but yeah. we actually had the balloon set out on the thing. People had like makeup on that looked burned, and there was like sixty victims. And we basically had to go out there, triage, set up field tents and all that stuff, and then bring them back to our fake ER and then try to save their lives and stuff. Wasn't that also the plot of Speed Three? <laughs> speed <laughs> Speed Three Balloon Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> um, triage just means a quick assessment. Yeah, um, and. In in a in a mass casualty event, what you're trying to do is make sure you allocate allocate resources to people that will benefit from them. Um, it's one thing to really focus on one very sick patient when you have one very sick patient. It's another thing when you have sixty people, and some of them are not going to be savable considering the resources that you have. It's con- there was a question constantly on my like boards, like here's five victims. 
which one do you want to prioritize first? And one of them was literally, guy is dead. Like, well, not prioritizing <laughs> that guy. And then the other one is like, child crying for his mommy. Sorry, child. You're gone too. It's basically the one that's like kind of breathing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough skill to do because essentially you're going around going, you're not going to live anymore. Yep. Black tag. Let's pump you with morphine or whatnot so that you are more comfortable. No joke. That's actually what we were taught. Uh, morphine or whatnot. Or what, especially the whatnot. The whatnot really helps a lot. It's funny what other doctors think of my job. <laughs> Just pump them with morphine. That's what I do. I mean, and it is also what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually what we're taught. Like, yeah. we, we want to make sure they're comfortable because they're clearly not going to make it. Even if we transported some certain patients, they weren't going to make it. So, unfortunately, you kind of have to leave them on the the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of this kind of jumpstart triage kind of thing did come from, like, military stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, there's actually... It's trademarked, and there's special tags that you're supposed to print out and attach to people and whatnot, too. So yeah, yeah they're little perforated tags that it's like green, yellow, red, red, black, black, and they, as you pull them off, it, the, the people get their acuity gets higher. Yes, and if you're if you're only left with the black tag, even if you're talking, you are not going to get more care. Yeah, well, yeah. you're not going to get more. You're not going to know. <laughs> They're gonna they're gonna make sure that you're comfortable. Yeah. There are some injuries that are not recoverable. Any kind of intrathoracic blunt trauma is usually a bad thing. Interthro intrathoracic. So between your clavicles to your waist is considered your thorax. So okay. Anything so that the area. home alone crowbar. Yes. Well, what about like penetrative injuries with like a pole or something? So if it's there and you you still have a pulse as long as you didn't arrest yet you can still potentially be saved and you can actually save them by doing something called a thoracotomy or a clamshell mm-hmm. where you actually open them up like a clamshell, find the, take out the thing, find the hole. And then you're like the and little, butterfly clip you're on. like the little Dutch boy at the dam and you have your finger in there and how, plug in the how would you triage someone with a foreign body in their nose? Uh, <laughs> you get to go for a walk, <laughs> <laughs> which I love treating foreign bodies in the nose. They're super fun to do. Um, I think in Pete this and Pete back to Pete. Yeah, Pete. see yes. what I see what I yeah, did there. I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> Pete put uh, eight president pops and found Dwight D Eisenhower and put him up his nostril. That was the best crafted marshmallow I've ever seen. <laughs> Somebody put a lot of work. In yeah, that. they did. They really did. Um, but I hope they got an Emmy <laughs> for for, for, marshma- for marshmallow yeah. sculptures. Pete and Pete should have gotten an Emmy. I don't think a show like that would have just because it was a children's show. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have at that point. But no. But and it's so creative. Man, that show is so good. It is a very, very good show. I would highly suggest it. If they only made a Midsummer Pete and Pete. <laughs> <oof>. <laughs> that actually would be great. Some sort of horror movie crossover. Pete. Pete, Pete, would be Pete and Pete all grown up. And Pete would yeah. little Pete would be the one that kills everybody? Nah, I don't think so. Probably. He's, he's probably the most well-adjusted. He really he knows how to live. It'll be the Krebs Scout. <laughs> <laughs> she, she has all the, the skills to do It'll it. It'll be King of Frode. King of oh god, I remember that episode. <laughs> the King of Fraud. Uh, that's a good one. That's yeah. The, it's a road trip episode, and uh, we digress. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> about being the king of the road. Yeah, yeah. but speaking of uh, foreign objects uh-huh. in, in the nose, you said that it's one of your. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually one of the more gratifying procedures you got that we tangentialized mid sentence. I did, <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> um, so there's many ways to remove an object from a. Uh, a person's nose. Uh, in the show, they do the static electricity trick, which does not work at all. 
That's not a thing. Yeah. No. I, I was wondering about that because I couldn't think of any reason it would be. No. Well, also, when you touch something to discharge static electricity-wise, it happens where you touch things. So mm-hmm. maybe if he built up the static electricity and then, and then touched, touched his nose, his his nose to the if he booped his nose yeah. to the doorknob, I feel like, though, it would shock him and he'd get scared and just push himself further well, into it. It might cause him to flex his nostrils, which would loosen up around... The Dwight D. Eisenhower. It could, but then you also have like turbinates inside there too. And I don't know how far it went up if it got caught up in the little the turns in your nose. But the thing that I teach families to do first <laughs> is the magic kiss uh-huh. where you cover up the good nostril, leave the, the nostril with the object exposed, and then you get a good seal in their mouth and you blow super hard and fire it out. Oh, nice. So I had one dad who <laughs> I told him, hey, I got to go grab all my stuff to remove the object. You want to try this while I come back? I just remembered him running out of the room screaming. He's like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm like, where is it? It was a bead. Uh, uh-huh. He points to the wall because it's stuck to the wall <laughs> oh, with that's the, the booger right on it. I'm like, well, my job is done. Yep. Um, the other How thing, long did they wait in the ER? Not long. <laughs> it was late. It was late at night. So it was a, I don't know why they waited until the middle of the night to come in with the thing. I guess they tried really hard. Um, you can do suctioning get like a suction catheter try to get out but my favorite method is using a foley catheter Mm -hmm. so you pass a foley catheter behind the object you inflate the balloon and then you yank it out um, because it inflates the balloon into the whole nostril and then the object comes out the biggest problem with that is if you're doing it upright once you pull it out and it lands on their lip and it's happened to me twice the kid immediately (laughs) lips their lower lip grabs it and then swallows it um (laughs) yep which is fine for a marshmallow it is, but for like other stuff, it's. It, I mean, it's still fine. They're gonna it's, poop it out. It's only not fine for neodymium magnets. Correct. Right? Yeah, those are the ones you don't want to swallow. Um, more than one, okay. at, at different times. If you swallow more than one neodymium magnet at once, it's less scary than if you swallowed them Separate, one at a time yeah. because yeah. they'll try to they'll find each, to other. each other. They'll find each other in their di- the different points in your intestine. Yeah, it looks like you got shot with like bird shot. Because it just pierces through all of the intestines, and then they all clump together in one little mass in the middle, and you basically just have a lot of perforated bowel. So that's not as great. It is not as great. No, don't and, eat magnets. No. And I was always taught if you put something, if a kid puts something in their nose, there's a high chance there's something in their ears. So I have to look in their ears as well. Oh yeah, that's good. And then um, that becomes a different game on how to remove it because the ears a lot harder to remove stuff out of. But I'm a big fan of the glue Q-tip. <laughs> don't try that one at home don't i put super glue on a q-tip or dental uh, de- uh dentisher or whatever it was the dental bond no just dermabond no, dermabond. dermabond yeah so it's it's just skin glue and then i use that to glue straight to the object and i try to lift it out slowly does not work on cockroaches but it works on everything else <sighs> well, i'm trying to think of what you would call that procedure which one threading a foley behind an object in someone's nose foreign body removal uh, I was thinking more along the lines of that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but is escaping my brain right now. Jingle all the way. No. <laughs> where he pulls the huge thing out of his nose. It's Total Recall? Yes, Total Recall. Jeez, I don't know why it's I total, think of I forgot recall. Total Recall like two or three episodes ago. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you guys can't recall Total Recall? No, I can't recall. <laughs> recall. We have partial recall. recall. Partial Recall, indeed. Uh, I haven't implanted it yet. <laughs> you son of a <laughs> <laughs> oh man um going back to the foreign body thing he meets another kid who taught him how to do the removal Static trick yeah but he put martin van buren up his nose mm-hmm. and that was 
I think going on the tangent, Johnny said someone made it really intricate, or was it you? I don't yeah. know. No, that was Johnny. Yeah. That was a spiky Martin Van Buren. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that because I mentioned Eric earlier, mm-hmm. and we're now talking about Van Buren's, I have to just put those in the same sentence, and I think he'll understand why. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> For an audience of one. An audience of one. one. This is this one goes out to Eric. He'll 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 know. <laughs> but that thing when it comes out is gonna be a bloody, bloody mess. And I think that is one thing we yeah, talked about. Van Buren was real spiky. My, Van Buren's super spiky. <laughs> but it's also a marshmallow, but it's also gonna be a hard marshmallow because so, it's gonna yeah, be like lucky it's charms. A, right. It's it's yeah. in a dry box of grain. The other thing to remember too is the longer something's in your nose, the more your membranes get irritated. And if it gets more irritated, it's more likely to bleed. And you do make some mucus in there too. So it could soften it up a little bit, irritate more of the membrane, and then it comes out super bloody. The objects that have been left in the nose for more than, I'd say, three or four hours usually come out really bloody. Your nose, your body really wants stuff out of your nose. Like, it, it's if you get something in your nose, your body wants it out. Yeah. It's almost like it's an airway. <laughs> <laughs> almost like there's a lot of protective things going on in there to keep things from getting stuck in there. I will say that my fam- the families where I do this procedure, the biggest thing they're worried about is me pushing it deeper into their brain. <laughs> Which we've discussed we we discussed on the uh yeah. the Crayola oblongata episode yeah. a few uh they, and also blood sport. And blood and sport. Also blood sport. But single-handedly, that is the most common complaint is if you do this, how far will it end up in their brain? And 0%. It's going to come out of their nose. So like, what about the, the catheter? And I go, unless you have a prior lobotomy, it will not go up there. Well, I mean, I feel like you could thread it pretty deep up there. You can, but the cribriform plate is yeah. solid enough that it should not go up there. I mean, and also that's not, you know, that's part of doing this procedure is yeah. that this is not going to happen. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fun one. My residents will all try to do it. And they are always shocked about how much stuff comes out after you remove the object. Yeah, especially if something's been in there for a while. Your nose has been trying to clear it. Your body's been trying to push it out. You get a bunch of mucus and crud. Yeah, and crud. You, can, you can try to snot rocket it out, but it's not going to go because there's too much pressure. I love it. I love a good snot rocket clear. There's <laughs> something that's real satisfying when you're like, oh, man, my, my nostril's a little blocked up. And then you're like, bing. <laughs> and then it's like, oh. Yeah. The kids hate they hate it when I do it, and then afterward they're like, "Okay, you're fine." I think the oldest one I had to remove an object out of was a 12 year old, and it was a Lego head. Lego heads are made perfectly to fit in your nostril. It also, f- it feels like at that point you have a kid who is tired, exhausted, who is probably like, it took them a while to even explain to their parents what has happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're you're approaching them with some weird way to get this thing out, mm-hmm. and it's just it. That feels like it's got to be really annoying and then really satisfying. Yeah. I hate using tweezers because it's a round object. All you do is just push it in deeper. They've they've changed the shape of Lego heads to have. And now you can breathe through Yeah, them. You can breathe through, you can through, breathe through them. Sometimes it's nice because then I pass it fully through the Lego head and then inflate the balloon and pull it out that way. It looks like a magic trick. It, it kind of is. How could. I, I don't believe you. What? Legos are too small to fit a Foley through. Small. Like six French, oh, I guess. I guess yes. I only <laughs> deal with adults. You deal with you deal with big foley's. I deal with very tiny foley's. You said six French. Yeah, so that's the measurement for foley catheters. So yeah, we, we use eighteens. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah, for French is the 
the bigger the number, the bigger the tube. And okay, then so just, it's the opposite of like gauges. Yeah, on, like an IV is wire. opposite. The bigger the number, the smaller the IV. Would a marshmallow actually be something that you would be concerned and want to have removed, or yeah. because it's because it can it's it can cause infection because it okay. dissolves, and it's sugar, right? So bacteria like sugar. Okay. So it potentially can lead to more infection. And I think the last time I removed something that was kind of organic-y, it was a piece of cotton, and it was way up there for a long time, and it started kind of deteriorating and rotting. And that's how the family knew that the child put something up her nose because there was this foul smelling stuff coming up. Child face smells bad. That's actually the complaint. It's like, her nose smells real bad. And I go, okay. And I look in there and then sure enough, I pull out a ball of cotton and then with a pus chaser. Ugh. Mm. The way that you said it. (laughs) Um, I mean, it, it gives a good visual. One of the things that I've had to do in urgent care and family medicine is you end up removing... Um, long, long-standing tampons. Mm. So it's the same. Somebody, somebody just had a tampon in for too long, and then it got stuck, and then they can't get it out. And then you have to get it out. Yeah. Or when people think Nuva rings dissolve, <laughs> right? They, no, they do not. They do not. Left a sleeve in there. <laughs> Johnny's <laughs> face of abject horror is just bringing me joy right now. I am, for once, not questioning any of my life choices. You just as far and then as you not, just have you have to pull it out and pretend like things are fine mm-hmm. and then give some education and be like anything you put in your body has to come out of your body mm-hmm. unless it's medicine that dissolves but tampons don't dissolve and then and then you carry on with your day yeah, and, and you, act like nothing just happened yeah yeah and then you have fun stories to talk about later mm-hmm. without without patient identifying yes. information yes <laughs> oh man if you can only see Johnny's face right now. <laughs> I've never, I haven't seen them this uncomfortable yeah, since we since talked about pinworms. Pin yep, pinworms is uh, probably the I worst. I need to listen to that episode. Yeah, pinworms. I think made you squirm the most. Yeah, they're gross. They are pinworms are gross. I like it when families tell me there's rice in their kids' poop, and I'm like, that's not rice. Uh, nope, that that's worms. They're just. It's also something that's so gross and so benign. It is <laughs> like you can take care of it really easy, but it's real gross. It's just something about hearing the word worms coming out of your body that just. Gives everyone the heebies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I can't, I cannot approach the microphone right now. It is too gross to talk about. Um, question I have about, do, do we have more on foreign bodies? I'm good. Did we have anything? It <laughs> feels like we talked about a lot of other stuff. We went on. Yeah. Do we have anything more? Magical total circular trip. Um, uh, so mom's diagnosis was uh, checking the glands, checking the temperature, mm. and checking the pulse. Mm. And I've never, like, at least when my parents were seeing if I was sick, like, pulse has never been something that was ever thought about. Well, you know? it is a vital sign. It mm-hmm. is. And those are, I mean, vitals are, they're called vitals for a reason. Um, they give you a lot of information, and it is objective information. Yeah. So you got um, temperature, blood pressure, respiratory rate. Heart rate. And heart rate. Those are your vital signs. Uh, there, there was a strong push to make pain a vital sign. The and, fifth vital sign, and we've seen what happens with that as we create an opioid epidemic. Yeah, <laughs> and pain is also not objective. Yeah. It is very subjective. I mean, people try to object make it objectified in the pediatric world with like the faces scale and whatnot. And those, it, those are, but again, pain is a very subjective thing. Some kids will say they're in ten out of ten pain, but sit there super chill. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very... Also, pain is not a vital sign. No. I will 
if someone wants to discuss that with me, I will. I'll, and and the push to make pain a vital sign is part of why we, we, we are, are in a mess. We are in the opioid ep- epidemic that we're in. Correct. Dr- pharmaceutical companies lied about pain. a lot of things yeah. <laughs> to to make sure we would give opioids. Yeah. But um, in terms of Pete's mom, temperature, yeah, everyone checks the temperature, and then mm-hmm. everyone freaks out because they have a fever, and then wonder why your pulse is fast too because. That's just how it happens. Yeah. If you have a temperature, usually you're going to have a fast heart rate with it. Because you're, I tell families in the dumbest way possible is that it's your heart trying to pump blood all around, trying to fight off whatever's going on. And that's why you have a fast heart rate when you have a fever. So nothing to freak out about. But temperatures themselves, they don't cause brain damage. Everyone thinks fevers cause brain damage. Not true. They have to be pretty high fever to cause brain damage. Even then, your hypothalamus regulates it so that you can't get that high of a temperature that can potentially denature unless you're in like a heat stroke situation. That's like mm-hmm. the biggest thing. Which is different than a fever because it's Correct. external. It's an external heat source that is yeah. causing the issues. Whereas um, your brain can tell when your body is too hot and will try to limit it at that point. Too, unless you're a Too baby. hot in the hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> unless you're a baby who has an immature hypothalamus and then your brain overheats too quickly and then you get febrile seizures, which also doesn't cause brain damage. I tell families it's like when your phone overheats and it needs to reboot. <laughs> We're just going to reboot your baby. <laughs> yep. Your brain just needed just to reboot. Gonna, it got it overheated, just needs to protect it. Going to turn the kid off and yep. on again. It's one of those very scary things in the urgent it's care is scary. newborn with a fever. Like, I don't know what to do. You go, to, you go see Jackson. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I had uh, a, a fever as a, or a, a seizure. Due to a fever as an infant. I got heat stroke as a toddler. I remember it. It was very hot in <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina. Carolina. One of the Carolinas. <laughs> On the coast. And it was humid. It was no, it was hot. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was hot. This heat. Ooh. It's too much. It's too hot. <laughs> um, but the glands is a, such a non specific thing. Um, usually for us, we worry about glands if they're greater than two centimeters. Because that could be an underlying thing for something else much more serious, or if it's unilateral, with that's greater than two centimeters, or if there's overlying skin changes. Otherwise, most of the time we don't worry about glands that much. Um, I think it is a good check. It is a I good th- check. She does a. It's a, it's very non-specific finding, but if someone has really swollen glands, you'd be like, oh, you're you are you, you can't are fake dealing that. with something, right? Yeah. Like you you have some sort of infection. Probably viral, probably nothing we can do, yeah. but at least I can say, oh, that's probably why you're feeling bad. Also, you should never check glands with both. At yeah, the you should time. not check. I you was just going to say. Yeah, like, yeah, she did go in the chokehold. Yeah, you should never check uh, your glands both at the same time. Yeah, one one side at a time. You can actually lower your blood pressure a lot and pass out because you are you have. They um, could cut off your, your, carotids, your carotid supply. The pressure, they have oh. pressure sensors in your carotids, and if you massage them, uh, you can lower your blood pressure. Carotid massage is, it triggers the vagal nerve, and carotid chop triggers fall down. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. That was, that was really good. Kudos, sir. Kudos. <laughs> I don't. I. Th- I mean, that was that was actually a pretty good, like you know, concerned mom coming in. Son is complaining. Like, that's a mom who's seen does seen it enough times. Does her does her check and like. And she also triaged the situation, or not, she, she like got a, a good family history of what was going, family history is not the right word. She got a good history of the situation, and it's like, oh, well, it can't be food poisoning. We all ate the same thing. Which is almost like to the T what I ask families when kids come in with vomiting and diarrhea. I'm like, 
Is anyone else sick? Right. What did you guys eat last night? Did you share food? But also, it's a, it's a masterful plan because there's nothing like having someone else come up with the explanation that you needed them to mm-hmm. come up with. It's if you suggest it, then it's worthless. Yeah. But if they say it, yeah, then you've already won. But man, sneaking that can of tapioca was probably yeah, one was, of the most genius moves. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paid someone off to get an expired <laughs> can of tapioca. And that, that was at least, even if those were all ones, he oh. paid at least like 25 bucks for that. That was a stack of cash. And he didn't even enjoy his day off. No. Well, he went on he an did. adventure. I mean, kind He played of. with Excalibur. I can't imagine ending up back at school on, on a sick day. It's almost like a criminal going back to the scene yeah. of the crime just to gloat. He just wants to see what his friends are doing. Like, just sit down on the couch and watch TV. Or play with Excalibur and open the garage a few more times. Yeah. Uh, question about Excalibur, mm. because the metal plate in the head did not come up in the first episode of Pete and Pete that we did. Um, yes, it did. It comes up during the... I think it's it in the credits. In the credits. Yeah, yeah. but no, we didn't discuss it um, uh, in, in the the one about the, the brain freeze. Uh, what's... Plates in the skull are a real thing. Yes. Is, is it something that is still... It's done less in that common. sense. Yeah. Now, if we do craniectomies, uh, we save the bone flap in your abdomen and then re-implant it. Wait, you you save the <laughs> bone flap like you just toss it in the stomach and mm-hmm. it's not in the stomach, not in the stomach, but it's in a cavity in your abdomen to protect it. I don't know enough about this to comment on it, but it Weird. is certainly a thing that you could do. It is at least for the uh, the last few craniectomy cases that I've had to deal with. Yeah. I mean, mainly they don't leave the hospital with a squishy, unprotected skull. Right. And so, like, that's the reason why you would get a a metal plate in your skull is you had a significant enough injury where your skull is compromised and you don't want your brain to be close. You don't yeah. want your brain to not be protected. Yeah. You don't so. want a self-destruct button. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't want that, that hard reset button? No, no. But I imagine there are multiple other materials that they could use at this point, mm-hmm. and they just have different techniques for doing things. Cement. Bone cement. I remember bone wax was a big thing that we used to fill up the burr holes. Wax in your bone? Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know where that was going, and I will ignore. But All right. if you do burr holes in someone's skull to relieve the pressure, and you put a bolt in to measure the pressure when you take it out, sometimes they'll just fill it up with yep. some wax to cover up the hole so you don't have like a ridge that's sharp on your, your skull. I know we don't have sponsors, but if we there get is a, a bone wax a company <laughs> that wants to spot or sponsor a podcast... <laughs> Also, if there's a burr hole drill company, yeah. That yeah. Wants this, we've talked he, about burr holes yeah. a lot, quite a few times recently, and too. the importance of having the right drill. Yes, yes, that's, that's why I only use Binford tools. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this week's sponsor. Binford I would not tools. use a Binford. No, especially now. <laughs> I don't trust him, the tool man. No, I do not. No, Al Borland, maybe. Yeah, he, what? Yeah, I mean, he was already a a coke smuggler in the '80s. He was. I mean, to each their own. There's no yeah. judgment. <laughs> Um, anything else that we want to cover on the episode itself? Uh, plot candy is gross. Yeah. The thought of that is real gross. It's really upsetting. The thought of eating that as candy as is fun. It's really upsetting. Yeah. It bothers, it bothers me. Every scene, every <laughs> scene where he just mm-hmm. whipped out some candy and started nomming on it. No, thanks. Also floss. You guys should floss. If you're listening to this, you should floss. <laughs> <laughs> well, watching Midsummer. <laughs> I mean, this is separate. Two and a half hours. This is of real separate. <laughs> Two and a half hours of flossing later. Yeah. 
Why is there so much blood? There's finally <laughs> because enough you blood. haven't been flossing. <laughs> your uh, your teeth will not bleed if you floss. Yes, like you have yeah. to keep flossing. What? <laughs> you can't. When you floss once a year, then they're they're gross. That's how the de- that's how the dentist. That's knows. how the dentist knows, and they're like, "Oh, you haven't been flossing because I just pulled out the roll of floss and you started bleeding." <laughs> right. <laughs> You just looked at it funny. Right, it's a sympathetic response. Yes. Oh, nice. Ooh. <laughs> Words. I've been studying. Um, <laughs> so uh, I do then have a question that I'd like to ask you guys. Craig's favorite question. Yeah. Uh, the human centipede marketed itself as 100% medically accurate. If that's the case, and that's our baseline, how medically accurate is season two, episode nine of The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Sick day. Dr. Greg Winter. I think this is pretty medically accurate. I'm going to go, I'm going to arbitrarily say 310%. Also, aside from the fact that his mom does a very good job Mm -hmm. of doing like a clinical history and physical, and the fact that Pete is able to set up a, like a meaningful scenario that walks his mom into the only conclusion of you must have some food poisoning, but it doesn't look so bad so you can stay at home by yourself. The other thing is, is that he's able to extend the range of Excalibur by putting it up to his head. Mm-hmm. We all know that this is medical fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why I'm giving it 310%. Supposedly there's something about like putting a car... Uh, yeah, a, 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 your car unlocker will do the same thing. Yes. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Put it under your chin. No. Yeah. Oh, Jackson. So wait, you just put like your clicker under your chin and open your mouth and go... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It extends the range of your... Is it because it kind of filters it? Yeah, like I a, don't. No one knows why. It's because it works. Because magic. Why. It basically turns your body into an antenna. I think you can put it anywhere on your body, and it probably works. Anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> also, don't put things in your body that don't have handles. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure your garage door opener has a flare base. We've talked about this before. <laughs> Always have an exit plan. I mean, yes. <laughs> Excalibur did not. I think. Oh well. I think the Comic-Con episode still hasn't gone up. So right. no, that's it. It's in there. It's in there, yeah. Uh, I'd say I'd say 250. I mean, I agree with Greg. A lot of it is very, very realistic. I don't remember what our most realistic was. 450. From what? Uh, actually, no. We, we might have gone 500 with uh, what did we just release? Not Men in Black. Not Men in Black. The, what we did before that. Let me check my notes. Oh, here. spoiler alert. Uh, Venture Brothers. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was, that was pretty that good. That was yeah. very realistic. I still stand by 250. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the importance of um, testicular torsion and all that stuff. But yeah, two fifty. Oh man, I tell stories so slowly. I apologize to anyone who listens. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a good episode. Um, I don't. The unfortunate part about Pete and Pete is it's not on any streaming platform. It's on the YouTube. It's, you have to look for a really low quality YouTube. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. But the jokes don't need high quality. No. You yeah. can enjoy the joke still. Without 4K. Um, I think you can get it on DVD or Blu-ray. No, not Blu-ray. I think you can get it on DVD. And if you can, you should, uh, because then you will own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Assuming that you'll have to open a bank account and get a free DVD player somewhere. Yeah. But it, it would be worthwhile. Put it, in a, put it in your game console. Yeah. If you have one of those. Um, I just remember the reason why it's not on streaming is because of all the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's too much licensed music, which feels... I mean that's a crummy it's a crummy thing that's going to happen to a bunch of shows. Yeah. Actually, a lot of stuff from prior to 2000s. 
Jackass, they changed all the music in that one. Um, Dawson's Creek was very weird when it didn't open up with a theme song. I right. was like, what is hat? Like, it, ch- it changes the whole feeling of the show. I don't want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, also, uh, when I was doing my research for the show, uh, Pete and Pete have a podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the Adventures of, I believe, is it Matt and Danny? Um, is the yes, yeah, uh, Mike and Danny, Mike the and adventures Danny. of Mike and Danny. Well, I is, hope you post this on their, their subreddit. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to uh reach out to them individually and let them know how medically accurate their show is. We uh, did another episode of Pete and Pete, didn't we? We did, we did. yeah, yeah we it did was the brain the, freeze one. The brain freeze one. Oh, yeah, that one was a really good one, too. Mm-hmm. The orange Lazarus and brain freeze. That was a good one, yeah. God, Pete and Pete's a really good it's show, it's a really good show. It's probably one of the I think it was one of the best children's show of its time that wasn't trying to be just for kids. Like, they definitely were. And, I mean, that's a huge lesson. Like, yeah, it shouldn't just be for kids because kids are smarter than you give them credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It it was clearly a show that parents can watch with their kids and go, there are jokes here that are definitely not for the kids yet, but they will still laugh anyways because it's silly. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. All right. well, um, with that, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, write us a review on your favorite uh, podcasting platform uh, or drop us a note and let us know. And yeah, talk to you guys again soon. Bye. Thanks.